you guys i realize it's not easy charlie the dog and i have to listen to these two jokers every day hey you guys what's going on it's episode number 199 can you believe it it's the week of christmas so merry christmas to everyone happy holidays he's ron i'm don yeah hey everybody in ron and don nation if you want to reach out if you're thinking about a real estate change in 2021 uh, we have made a playbook for sellers, a playbook for buyers. We would like to give it to you for free. Start you thinking, doing your homework, so you're ready to go for a run and on sit down. Email me, Ron, at windermere.com. I'll send it out to you again free of charge. Yeah. Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about the fact that the Negro Leagues, that's right, baseball used to have Negro Leagues. They're about to do something with these statistics because as we believe that Black Lives Matter, do black lives back in the 1930s, do those statistics matter? Those lives that were playing baseball. Great baseball players like Satchel Paige. We're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to talk about this Vanderbilt kicker who is a female kicker who's breaking all kinds of records, and everybody's pretty pumped up uh, about it. Uh, also, is Facebook a doomsday machine? Uh, some people think it is, and we'll talk about that. Before we talk about all that stuff, though, Let's talk about this, because I started doing something a year ago when it comes to Christmas and holiday traditions that is working in a fantastic fashion. I would always really get pissed, because they talk about your love languages, right? And my love language is not necessarily receiving gifts. I like really receiving thoughtful gifts. If it's some kind of gift that's just a Starbucks card, I'd rather you just keep your, just just buy me a Starbucks sometime. Just invite me out. We'll uh, put masks on, we'll sit six feet apart, and we'll have a Starbucks together rather than just getting a Starbucks card from somebody. I'll I'll keep that card then. Yeah, go ahead and keep your Starbucks card. The thing that I try to do is is give thoughtful gifts to family and friends, and then I never get any thoughtful gifts back. So what I've decided to do a year ago is to apply pressure, right? Ron, if you would have come over yesterday, you would have seen downstairs. You wouldn't be able to walk into my house because there were gifts Everywhere, everywhere there were gifts and those gifts are no longer there. The reason that are no longer there is because those gifts were delivered yesterday on December 15th. And we're recording this on December 16th. I'm delivering the gifts early. The gifts I'm delivering are outstanding gifts. They're not necessarily expensive, but they're super thoughtful, super thoughtful gifts. These are custom gifts. Uh, a couple of years ago, what I did is I went out And I took pictures of people that I had, and they never knew that I had these pictures. And what would show up in the mail is a picture of them doing doing their bliss, doing something really cool. Uh, So uh, my partner, Joe, uh, we're trail runners together. So it was pictures he never knew I took when we were out on the trail trail running. I took three or four of these pictures. I put them in a collage. I wrote a great note. I gave it to him early. What that did now is he's like, damn it. Because we're very competitive. 
How do I top that gift? Right? Did he, did he open it? How am I? Of course, well, I assume so you make people open it. Oh, early. oh yeah, yeah. I, I make them. And, and, and in fact, on our job site the other day, I I took I took I I got custom helmets for everyone, and I get everybody on our job site has a nickname. So my friend Dave, his name is Big Country. So Dave has a helmet that says Big Country on it. Uh, and Dave is a contractor who probably doesn't want to wear a helmet, but I've told him that we have new insurance and everybody has to wear a helmet now, which is not true, but it's going to be funny to see him wear a helmet, uh, for the next week or so while we're all wearing helmets or for my friend, Joe, who's, who we went and swam with the turtles. He has a place in Maui. I call him Maui Joe. He's from my spin class. It's Maui Joe on there. My son, I call G force. So he has a helmet on G force. My friend, Scott, I call him Scotty D. I also call him heart attack. Scott. Scotty D has a helmet. So I called Scott last night. I said, hey, did you get your gift? He's like, yeah. I'm like, where's it at? He said, it's under the tree. I said, it's the first gift under the tree, wasn't it? He's like, yeah. I said, you know what that's doing? That's making you and your wife marry. And I said, by the way, I got something great for Mary uh, that I'm going to bring by tomorrow. And I also got something for the girls. So Scotty has a gift. The girls have a gift. His two daughters. His wife Mary has a this puts so much pressure on my friends and family, and I love it. I just love it. In fact, your gift is sitting downstairs right now. It's a huge gift. It doesn't look huge, but when you see this gift, it'll be, it's going to be the best gift, Ron, that you have ever gotten in your life. And, and, and what I may do is I may hang on to this gift, and I wait, may I, I don't know when I'm going to deliver the gift to you. What happened to us not getting gifts? I was thinking about gifts. doing it today. We had a, we had a on, conversation. I was thinking about doing, doing it Hold today. Hold on, time out. On the podcast. Sidebar. You, know, you don't have to give me anything. You don't have to give me sidebar. anything. You sidebar. You don't have to sidebar. give me. You don't have to give me anything. Because I need this What's on the record. Sidebar. We're the only two here. I, the, this the needs to be on the record. A, the whole thing's a this sidebar. Needs to be on the record. Don and I have had explicit conversations in years past that because of how much time we spend with each other, that it is not necessary to do this. And now you're doing it. I think for the wrong motivation. What's you're, up, for what? I don't think these are pure motivations. They're not. They're not at all. What I'm what I'm trying to do is so now I gotta I gotta get you a gift now. You don't have to, but you know what? You feel like you have to. And when you see your gift, you're gonna feel like you're gonna have to one up the gift. And that's what hey, everybody. You know what? Does. I'm not getting a gift. Like how is Scotty gonna? You know what Scotty's idea was? Let's have a use because we have a group of men that get together and we meet. And he's like, why don't we give each other a used book? And then I gave him the helmet. <laughs> now try giving me a used book we'll see you on the other side of this if you're downsizing upsizing or right sizing ron and don can help you buy sell or invest in real estate it all starts with a ron and don sit down i had grown to trust the image of ron and don you know doing their their advocacy for all the charities and stuff that they do and i thought well they seem like good guys let's go for it when i uh, decided to put my home on the market it was a natural for me to choose them to list the property ron and don proposed a sit down so they came over to our house they came super prepared and they came more in learning mode right and what was important to each of us when we first sat down they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood they had several suggestions on you know when we should go on the market what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market 
They were precise and clear. They managed our expectations well. If Don saw, you know, a risk or an area of concern he wanted us to be aware of, they just they just did a superb job. And they seemed personally interested in the houses we would tour. I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. They do have a way of making you feel like they're your only client. <laughs> That's super important to me. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. I think I was just so impressed with the quality of the work that they did. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. The buying process was wonderful and the selling process felt like we were their most important project. I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. People ask me, how do you put up with these two? My answer, good snacks and video games. All right, you guys, rolling on live from the Les Schwab Studios. Our thanks to Les Schwab for signing on for 2021. Let's get it done with Les Schwab in 2021. And don't forget they have 85 locations to serve you. And when you walk in, thank those guys for sponsoring the Ron and Don Show and the Ron and Don Nation. Close to a million plays as we head towards episode 200, you guys, on Christmas Eve. That is really freaking phenomenal and we are so grateful so thank you for that hey let's hit some headlines real quick uh headline came out the other day said that facebook has now become a doomsday machine and also it's become big brother when it comes to articles and it comes to information uh especially when it comes to politics your thought on facebook being a doomsday machine and also controlling now some people feel like hey I'm a big person here. Nobody needs to control what I read and what I decide to share on my social media platforms. Um, it's interesting. It's hard to answer that yes or no, because it is it is nuanced. Um, but I think when you look at it globally, so that's what this article is trying to do. There's two things going on here. One, this article in The Atlantic, the other one, and people may have seen this, there are suits now with the government to try to break Facebook up and say, you own Facebook, you own Instagram, you own WhatsApp, you're integrating all these things. It's too much of it's, it's a monopoly. You're putting other social networks out of business. And so they want to, to break that up. So that's sort of a legal case. This philosophical one though is interesting because when you look world worldwide. Um, there are not enough people to moderate the content on Facebook. And so the way that it works is that it does create echo chambers. It does create uh, disinformation that travels quickly. Uh, there is no way to put that genie back in the bottle and Facebook doesn't want to put it back in the bottle. And so they, they raise interesting points when you look at countries like Indonesia, where the internet for the most part, is Facebook. Like there's not a separate internet from Facebook with the way their infrastructure is built there. Uh, and you can see political agendas that are not in the best interest of all the citizenry 
propagate on Facebook. You can see hate groups form and find their niche uh, in these channels. You can see QAnon be amplified uh, on these channels. And you, the, the thing that is insidious about it is that the way the algorithms are constructed, and nobody can control them. It's so complicated now. Mark Zuckerberg can't go in by himself and change it. It's an army of engineers that have built this gigantic machine, and they don't all know. There's not one person that knows how it all works. The feed that you see is different than the feed that I see. It's different than the feed that uh, your friends that you just mentioned in segment one. They all see different feeds. Mm. And so there's no way. So my experience of Facebook is not the same as someone with different politics that is conspiratorially minded, that maybe is uh, someone that thinks the election was rigged and believes in QAnon. The, The feed of information, the advertisements, everything that they see is different. Even if we're friends, if I'm friends with someone like that, they have a different experience every single time Mm. they get on there. That's a great point. And because of that, um, is it a doomsday machine? In the sense that the, the machines are built to maximize the profit of the investors of that company. They are not... Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all of these platforms, they are profit-generating machines. Their, their goal is to not make the world a better place. Their goal is to not have factual stories circulate. Their goal is to not um, spread love and kindness and virtue. Their goal is to make money. Their goal is to harness your interests and your... Uh, behaviors that they can tweak and get you to buy things, mm. get you to click on ads that someone else paid for. That's what the th- whole thing is built for. And what we've as a society said, I'm going to trade my privacy. I'm going to trade my photographs and my thoughts and my hearts and my clicks and my likes and my upvotes. I'm going to trade all of that data so that I can see pictures of Don's kid and pictures of his dog because that makes me feel good and feel like we're connected. And so as long as you're okay with that, that's fine. But what we need to realize is that a story about QAnon can get shared hundreds of millions of times because it's, it's compelling content. It's conspiratorial. It's not based in fact. The algorithm does not care what the content is. It just sees a piece of content that's getting a lot of action. Yeah. And it sees a way to maximize profit for the company and for the investors of that company. And tr- the, the results, they don't care about the results. Yeah. I, I have to say this because I think a lot of people dumb on Facebook. Uh, and I think it's also been a great tool during the pandemic. Uh, it's helped me stay in touch with my mom. It has helped us stay in touch with our clients, with our audience, with our friends. And I have a family member that just left Facebook to join a really right-wing platform that uh, people, I guess, are joining. And it saddens me because this is the way that, it's one of the only ways that we're able to kind of touch base uh, and see pictures and talk about family and all that. So I'm I'm a bit saddened by that. Uh, When you and I have raised money for causes we care about, my friend Christy Greenstreet, who I grew up with the other day, it was her birthday. 
And she's like, hey, I really want to raise money for this cause. It's really important to me. And her goal was to raise $200. She ended up raising $550, right, on Facebook. Uh, and would she have been able on her birthday to raise $550 on her own, standing on a street corner, getting on a phone during a pandemic and saying, hey, this is cause I care about. So those are the kind of things I really connect with. And then, and then also, some of my friends from high school, like my friend Sheldon Stanhope, who I played football with, uh, and we were middle linebackers uh, together. And he calls me, he doesn't call me by my name, he calls me number 32. Uh, and I call him uh, number 50. So it, 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 so we, so we have that connection, which is really nice. Or Christy is, we went to high school together. So those kind of things I kind of appreciate. The thing that's hard for me sometimes, though, is when, you're dating someone and then Facebook is like, hey, celebrating eight years of friendship with, with Christine. And then you look at Christine and she's like really hot and pretty and you don't really know her. You're just, I have a lot of friends on Facebook because I'm a broadcaster. Cause, and so I don't know her. And then the person you're dating is like, hey, what's going on with you and Christine? Celebrating eight, nine years of friendship. I didn't know about her. You're like, oh, anyway, I'd like to celebrate eight or nine years of friendship with her. I don't even know her. Uh, and, and then the other thing is I control my sister's memorial page. And, and so I have people and they're just bots out there that are trying to friend her. And I leave that open because sometimes it's someone maybe from her church or maybe someone we went to high school with and just found out my sister passed a couple years ago. And they would like ask us to her Facebook page to look at her memorial page. And because I control that, I, I want people to still hear her yeah, music but and see in, her In see your her instance, you're putting, for the most part, you put positive stuff into the universe. And I, I, and I, I like I, that about I you. I really try to do that. And yeah. you click on positive things in the universe. But if you were bent a different way hmm. and you were pissed off yeah. and you lost your job and you were out there railing, and you said, you know, this this thing just happened, and I think it's it's racial. And now all of a sudden, you're going to start attracting that stuff into your feed. Mm. More anger, more resentment, more racism. And so if you start clicking down that, that that's the thing that's uncontrolled. See, that makes sense to me because I, I have had people, friends and family, say I had to leave Facebook because it was just pile-driving me into the ground. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't feel pile driven by Facebook into the yeah, ground. Their feed's very different than your feed. <sighs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. And so that's why when you look at, like we just posted the same holiday video. Uh, and because of our accounts, it's the same piece of content. You wrote a different intro. I wrote a different intro, but it's Don and I and your son uh, playing a song on guitars. It's sort of a holiday greeting. If you, if you want it, we're going to send it out in our newsletter. So just uh, just ask for the newsletter. Right? Yeah, rondonsitdown.com. Then everybody sees the same thing. Yeah. You don't see different feeds. But the interesting thing is, to if you watch the interaction on those two piece, two posts of the same thing, they're different because um, the algorithm, which neither of us understands, neither of us has access to, neither of us has any control over, it is showing that piece of content to different people if they follow me even if they follow you as well, 
So they could see your version of it and not see mine. Yeah. Or they could, or vice versa, or they see both of them. Uh, and just the way that it spreads, the way that it gets out there, the, the reactions that you get versus reactions I get are totally different. And that's, that's the interesting thing to think about uh, in terms of is Facebook a doomsday machine? It definitely has, as as impacted two presidential elections and many, many state and local elections. And I would say not in a, in a constructive way. Mm. They're not out to optimize for democracy. They're out to optimize for profit, for profit. Yeah. Not. Hey, uh, we come back. Uh, let's talk about this Vanderbilt kicker. Let's talk a little sports. We're also going to talk about the Negro leagues. It's hard for me to even say that the Negro leagues, uh, something extraordinary is about to happen. Don't go anywhere. We will see you on the other side of this. Ron and Don from radio to real estate. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show, episode number 199. How about that? 800,000 spins, heading towards a million. The Ron and Don Show. Thanks for that. Hey, if you want to stay in touch with us, uh, go out to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. You can sit down with us if you're thinking about buying or selling. Also, we have a new playbook out if you're buying or selling. We send that ebook to you for free. So you can, uh, in fact, if you write Ron, ron at windermere.com, we'll send it right to you. And also, again, get subscribed for the newsletter. And we appreciate you so much for listening to our podcast uh, this year. I think something that we've all turned toward. Um, one thing we've all turned toward is alcohol, uh, alcohol sales up over 547% this year. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. During COVID. So, uh, also many of us have turned towards food. We've turned towards sugar. Uh, sometimes for me, we're standing in our podcast studio. And if you look around, there's a couple weights in here. I've turned towards exercise and it's like, Hey, if I can't go to my gym, I'm gonna make a little gym in my house. And, uh, so I throw a couple of the weights around here, which is helpful uh, I had a knee injury, but I've gotten slowly back into uh, trail running uh, and just taking big, long walks with our dog, Charlie, and with my son. Uh, I think the thing that has really helped, too, is I took a break from football uh, for almost two years because my love for drinking alcohol was connected to going to Seahawks games. And what would happen for me is I'd watch Monday night football and have a few beers. Next thing you know, it's Thursday night. Thursday night football's on. You have a few beers. Next thing you know, it's Friday. Maybe there's a Friday game on. If there's not, I'll find one, have a few beers. Uh, especially after when we did radio, just the pressure sometimes that I'd feel in my brain by the time we got to Friday night. Then Saturday, Husky game. So maybe you go Husky game Sunday. If you go tailgate, that's an all-day affair at a Seahawks game. Next thing you know... It's Monday again. It's Monday again, yeah. So I took a break from football, uh, and I'm back to football in a very healthy way, I feel like. Uh, I don't sit around and watch three games. I, I plan it out. I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to watch a Seahawks game today, that's the only game that I'm going to watch. Or if I'm going to watch a football game on Sunday, I'm going to watch a half of football. Uh, if I watch a Monday night game, it has to be a team that I care about, like the Bears or the Saints uh, or even a Thursday night game. And maybe I'll just listen to it on the radio and go do some demo stuff. So I've created some balance in my life, but I think, I think sports, I think this story about Vanderbilt, the story you're about to share about the Negro leagues and really just having the opportunity to watch the NBA play in the bubble or watch the NFL and Russell Wilson and the Seahawks make their run this year. Emotionally, 
I just feel like mentally that uh, sports have been very helpful. How about you? I, I, I think so as well. I do want to say Sarah Fuller's name and give her some props and hope that that opens the mind up of, of NCAA uh, male college football. She is the, the female kicker for Vanderbilt. She did kick some field goals this year. She set, basically shattered the, if you want to call it a record or a barrier, becoming the first woman to suit up in a, a Power 5 conference and kick uh, a, a score some Points. They recruited her uh, from the soccer team. Correct. And their kicker had an issue because of COVID. So they said, hey, could you come kick off? She did that. And then the other day she kicked uh, She kicked an kicked extra some point. some field goals, kicked some extra points. Yeah. And so, and we've seen um, some uh, women become coaches in the uh, in the NBA. There have been uh, there was a, a female on the staff of an NFL team this year. We saw an all female uh, officiating crew in an NFL game. Cool. So I hope that we continue to say, and as a society, especially like officiating, like are you kidding me? Like a, a woman can't tell whether or not uh, an offensive tackle was holding or if that was a catch or not a catch. So, I mean, that should be a no-brainer. I think strength and conditioning uh, coaching, even strategy coaching uh, and coordinator type of jobs, maybe even a head coach, I don't see any reason why a woman shouldn't and couldn't do that. In fact, some of the toughest physical trainers that you and I've ever met have been women and they'll put men to shame. They will, they will run. I watched a video the other day online of a woman that I would put her up against any male athlete uh, in the world in terms of the training that she was doing. It was incredible. And so I think this, this misnomer of like, you only can be a man to train. So just props to her. Well, and the the difference with that and not to just, just to jump in, like I have a Peloton bike that's coming in. It'll be here in a few weeks. The best Peloton trainers by far are women. When I, for 20 years, I was a master trainer and I taught uh, spin classes and I would sometimes train folks. The best trainers are always women because they understand, they understand the body because a, a lot of them are connected to yoga. And so they take their yoga practice where I taught spin class you could take a class where half the class should be on a spin bike, half the cl- and half the class you'd be doing yoga, and then if you want to stay after, maybe you stick around and lift some weights. We've seen a lot of pro athletes begin to understand isometrics uh, instead of just lifting big weights. Now it's about movement and how the body flexibility. Moves. Plus, yeah. if you're a 22 year old kid. It's probably nice to have a woman come over and not scream at you to do four more reps, to maybe have a little bit of a, of a different type of relationship. I don't know. I don't know. The women I know, <laughs> the women I know scream at you to have four more so reps. So that's the first one. The so second I, one. I, I, I don't know who you're meeting in the gym. And yeah. Let me throw this one at you. Major League Baseball has announced we're going to take uh, the statistics from the Negro Leagues, which ran, I think, from 1930 to 1948, might have been 1920 to 1948, where baseball was segregated. You could not be in the quote-unquote major leagues if you were a person of color. And so what they what there was in America was other leagues. They were called the Negro Leagues. And if you were a black player, you had to put – that's the only place you could play to get paid money. And there were incredible – baseball players in the Negro leagues and you, even someone like Willie Mays, they're now looking back because what they're going to do now is take the statistics from the Negro leagues and recategorize them as major league baseball. So if you're Willie Mays and you had at bats when you were in the Negro leagues and then uh, Jackie Robinson happened and, and now it was baseball became integrated. All of those numbers didn't count 
towards your Hall of Fame bid or show your final statistics in the major leagues. Now they will. So Willie Mays' numbers will go up. Uh, I don't know of other examples off the top of my head. Satchel Page. Satchel Page. Maybe the greatest player of all time, and I'll tell you why. He didn't start pitching in the major leagues until he was almost 50 years old. He has some incredible statistics uh, just playing in his late 40s and into his 50s. If you start adding the numbers of what he did in the Negro Leagues, a guy like Babe Ruth can't compare. Because Satchel Page not only could pitch, but he could also hit. It has always driven me crazy. When you and I used to do sports radio and people get in arguments about the greatest player of all time, and so many times you talk to these beat writers, these sports writers, even fans, and they say, hey, it's, it, it's Babe Ruth. And I'm like, tell me all the black people, all the great black athletes that Babe Ruth ever played against, and guess what? The number is zero. It is zero. So think about college sports today. Think about college baseball, football, basketball. What if you were to take all the great black athletes out, like they did at BYU, for instance, or what if you were to say black players can't be quarterbacks like they did in the SEC? The first black quarterback in the SEC, you have to go all the way back, not very far, to 1970. Before that, in the SEC, there never was a black quarterback. Ask Warren Moon why for years he had to go up and play in the Canadian Football League. Why did he come to the University of Washington? Because there was no other school in America that would let him play quarterback. They said, you're a cornerback. You're black. You're fast, but you're dumb, and you play backwards. So you know what? You can't be a quarterback. Don James believed in him. He came and he played football here. Then he went up to Canada. Then Houston was having an expansion. So he ended up going down and playing for the Houston Texans. And you look at Houston his- Houston Oilers at the time. What's that? Houston Oilers at the time. Oh, they're Houston Oilers. That's right. The statistics that he racked up playing for Bum Phillips was absolutely so, incredible. So here's the question that I wanted to ask you. Is this, is this tokenism in a way? Like the, most of these players are dead and gone. Uh, their families are still around, so that maybe the legacy of the family is meaningful. But for Major League Baseball to come out now, um, a lifetime later, and say, I, I guess we were wrong now, and looking back, we're going to now fold those in, um, because we still see the echoes of that. And so you have a white commissioner with majority white-owned teams that are now in a, is it, is it, is it meaningful or maybe we're Absol- not the two guys that you say You know what? Meaningful. Absolutely is meaningful. And, and the reason I believe it's meaningful, it, it depends on, on how, and it, it, it depends on what they say. What are they going to say to the black community? What are they going to say to black athletes? What are they going to say to family members that are still alive? It's tokenism. If you come out and acknowledge it and then you don't do anything and you don't change your policy, that's tokenism. It's not tokenism if, if there's real meaningful change. That's one of the Black Lives Matter has been around for years. But one of the issues that they've had is, is getting on the same page and asking for policy to change. When it comes to policing, is there uniform policing across America? There is not. You get what you paid for. So in a community here where you pay cops with overtime, 150 grand a year, that's a different cop and a different human that a cop, let's say, is down somewhere in Louisiana, or let's say they're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they're making 19 to $33,000 a year. That's a different deal right there. Here, you might attract someone that, that's, that, that is college educated. Uh, and in those departments, not necessarily so. So I think it's very important as we look at policing and we change policy. We're going to look at sports now and we say, you know what? We are going to change policy. We're going to change the way that we look at statistics. 
And then what that allows us to do is, I bet a lot of people don't know that Satchel Paige was not only a great baseball player, but a great human, a great speaker, a great philanthropist, and also a great writer and a poet. I'm not going to get this right, but I know that we all try to quote this from time to time. When you think about this quote of, I'm going to dance, in fact, this is what my little sister shared before she passed away. It was a Satchel Paige quote, that you're going to dance like no one's watching, right? Uh, And you're going to love like you've never been hurt. And you're going to, something to do with money. What is it? Let me find it real quick. It's a, it's a great quote. I, did, I, I just hope Satchel that- Page quote, the famous quote. Let me ask Siri real quick, because I, I want to get it right. It's a great quote. Go ahead. I, I just hope that this is, doesn't end here. It's, just, it's ironic to me that we have this moment in professional sports history where Major League Baseball is doing this right now. Simultaneously, a guy like Colin Kaepernick is still basically blackballed in the NFL when there was a team this year that had literally zero quarterbacks. Denver Broncos fielded a team with no quarterbacks when Colin Kaepernick in the, I think the same week posted a video, workout video saying he was still ready to be employed to have both of these things exist in the culture right now at the same time is, is astonishing to me. It's a great point. It's a great point. Here it is. You guys, Satchel Paige work like you don't need the money. Love like you've never been hurt and dance like nobody. Hey, you guys, now here's my son to take us out, and we will see you next time for episode 200 on Christmas Eve. Gunner? Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ha! I'm not kidding. <laughs>